Uh, we know it must be important when the Bible tells us that we, we live by it, uh, that we walk by it, and that it is the very uh, underpinning, the very foundation, the very substance of everything we hope for. And of course, we're talking about faith. In both Testaments, both in Abaca and in the New Testament, uh, Paul uses the expression in Romans 1, and again, the quotation finds itself in the book of Hebrews, the just shall live by faith. Or as some translations more correctly render it, the just by faith shall live, or the just shall live by faith. They both mean the same, sound the same, but there's a slight nuance of difference there. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we live by it, we walk by it. And as we just read a moment ago, faith is the very substance of things hoped for. The one hope of our calling, the hope we have of heaven, the hope we have of a better life beyond this one, all of that rests upon the foundation, the the substance of our faith. And so it is absolutely vital to everything we are as Christians. There, from our perspective, from our side of the equation, there is nothing grander, nothing greater than our faith with respect to what happens to us and with us and in us, in this life and the life to come. And beyond just the Christian life, the principle is broader than just this life itself christian or not is dependent upon one's faith we sometimes say that uh, well you are what you think but we don't really mean that well you are the sum total of your thoughts we don't really just mean that either we mean that you are those thoughts you attach yourself to, those thoughts that you dwell upon, those thoughts that you believe. In a truer sense, you are what you believe. And of course, your belief is based upon the thoughts you have and those thoughts you attach yourself to. It's true of life in general. Your thoughts, your beliefs, uh, these are both compass to your life and they are governor to your life, determining what direction you go and what speed you take in getting there. It all rests upon the substance, the depth, the conviction, the very basis of your faith. And so, long story short, uh, your, your success as a Christian, especially, depends upon the, the depth, the quality, the measure of your faith. And yet, what do we even mean by language like that? How do you go out measuring a faith? Uh, Jesus speaks of little faith, of great faith. In a miraculous sense, he talks about a faith that can move mountains. Uh, what do we use to measure our faith by? And a lot of the answer is found right here in the text we just have read together and the verses following these. 
in the 11th chapter of Hebrews in what some have described as faith's hall of fame. You find so many examples of peoples of old, both men and women who became what they became, who accomplished what they accomplished because of the depth of their life-changing, world-altering faith. We learn how to measure faith from this and other passages as well. But let me suggest, first of all, if you want to start measuring your faith, you need to measure it by, by the measure of its certainty. Faith is a matter of assurance, of conviction. Now in this, both the Old King James and the New King James, we read from a moment ago, is slightly askance from, from the actual language used. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, faith is not that evidence. Faith is based upon, it's built upon evidence. Other translations have it more clearly put. Faith is the assurance, the conviction. We might even say the certainty or knowledge of things not seen. And you can gauge the depth of your faith based upon how close it is to certainty and how far away it is from mere opinion. Now true, you can believe things aren't true. You can base everything you believe on nothing but lies or judgment or opinion or whim or fancy. You can be wrong in your faith. And you can have a strong faith going in the wrong direction. But even a wrong-headed faith is strong depending on how certain it is. And especially a faith based upon proper evidence is strong dependent on how certain it is of what is believed. Now, there's a distinction made in the Bible between faith and sight not between faith and knowledge. I'll take you back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul begins that fifth chapter by describing the hope we have of heaven itself, of a place, a time, a realm where this body is no more but it is transformed into a spiritual body. There we have a, a house of God, a building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. A few verses after saying that, Paul talks about the fact that while we are at home in the body, we're, for this time, in the flesh, we're absent from the Lord in the sense of being with him in heaven. And having left this body, we find ourselves now able to be with the Lord. And in between saying those two things, Paul says in the seventh verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. And yet, in the very first verse, as he introduces this topic, this is his language. For we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Before he says we walk by faith and not by sight, 
he begins by saying, we, we know. Basically, we know that when we leave this life, we're going somewhere else. We're going somewhere better. We're going to a home, a habitation, a tent, a tabernacle, far surpassing this one we have now and here. And this faith we have by which we walk every day, this faith we have which means so much to us, it is couched in the language for we know. Paul, are you, are you going to live after you're dead? Are you going to live on past this life? Now, Paul doesn't answer by saying, well, I, 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 I think so. He doesn't answer by saying, that's an opinion I hold. He doesn't respond by saying, well, that's a dream I have. No, Paul says, I know. He says, you know. He says, we know that if the earthly house of this tent is destroyed, we have a building of God. We know that. And that knowledge and the faith he speaks of in just a few verses is the same thing. So how strong is your faith? Well, how certain is it? We live in a strange world amidst a strange culture and a strange time. A time in which we have so many people that believe things that aren't true, have opinions that aren't by any means accurate, and yet they take these opinions as absolute fact and knowledge. At the same time, we have Christians with all the evidence in the world acting as if the knowledge is nothing but opinion. And we wonder why the world is having more effect on us than we're having upon it. The world's got a stronger faith in its opinions than many Christians have in their knowledge. We know that God is. We know that Jesus is his son. We know the Bible is his word. We know Jesus followed through on his promise when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We believe everything the Bible teaches, and we know these things to be true, because God who said them cannot lie. Now, this is not just an opinion we have. It's a knowledge we hold. And it's about time we started acting as if we're on this foundation of knowledge, of certainty, of assurance and conviction. Now, if you want to measure your faith, you measure it by its certainty. But something else. You can measure it by its level of trust. One fairly good synonym for faith is, is trust. And what makes trust different than just believing about something is that faith is believing in something. Uh, trust is about more than just believing in facts. It's about believing in the substance behind those facts and what those facts mean, uh, what they suggest, what they demand. 
We believe God, but we also believe not just that he exists. We believe God is a good God who is true to his promise. And when he says he loves us, he cares about us, he provides for us, he in Christ saves us, we believe those things. We trust him at his word. And God is a God who can be trusted. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, trust in the Lord, with all your heart, lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Now, those who trust God will not be disappointed. Now, this trust demands that, that we believe that God will take care of us and live up to his word. Later on in Hebrews 11, beyond the verses we read together a few moments ago, we find these words, uh, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now listen to this next. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And we're certain that he is, he exists. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In simpler words, we believe God exists, and we believe God is good to his own. He takes care of his own. And that's why we can trust him in all respects. You say, well, how do I measure my trust? I'll tell you one way. Uh, you start asking yourself questions like, how, how, how much time do I spend worrying about what might happen, what could happen? How much do I tie, time do I spend in anxiety over the way things may turn out in the future? When God has said all along, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23. He said, casting all your cares upon God, he cares for you, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says God is a very present help in time of need. In the first verse of Psalm 46. Oh yes, I know he said that, but I, I, I'm just a worrier. I, I, I tend to, I, I'm just a, a knot of anxiety. Well then, on this measure of faith, you're somewhat lacking. And that's not to say that you're not like so many of the rest of us. It is to say all of us need to do better. To trust God to be true to his word. And the more we release our anxiety, the more we can hold on to this trust. The less we hold on to trust, the more we're just fits and knots of anxiety. Do you know the difference in two words that sound close, but they're not at all connected. The word worry and the word concern. And I've talked to a lot of church members over the years that say, I'm not worried. I'm just very concerned. And they use the words to mean the same thing and use concern to cover up the fact that they're uh, frenzied not of worry. I don't worry. I'm just very concerned. The difference in those two words is important to realize. Really, 
All concern is, is worry when you put God into the equation and turn it over to him. This world's a mess, and we should be concerned. Sin abounds. We should be concerned. We've got situations we deal with day by day in our own lives, things that we shouldn't be cavalier about, we should be concerned about. But when we trust the Lord, we can be concerned without being overcome by anxiety. It's when you take God out of the equation and act as if it's all upon you to solve it that your concern, as benign as it is, becomes worry, which is absolutely malignant. The difference in concern and worry, concern has no God in it, and worry has no God concerned with it at all. Concern is that which we realize is not just up to us. And so, yes, we have to trust. When all is said and done, when the dust is cleared, we trust God. We do all we can of those things we can, but we trust God. A third measure of determining the depth of our faith may be in the sense of obedience. And you can't separate faith from obedience, biblically speaking, you shouldn't. The one time when that's done in James, the second chapter, is when James refers to a faith like that as dead. Faith without works, without obedience, without submission. A faith like that's dead, like a corpse, like a body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead, being alone. But aside from that exception, every time the Bible talks about faith, it assumes that faith is active. In this 11th chapter of Hebrews, that's the case. Uh, by faith, uh, Abel, what does he do? He offers a sacrifice. By faith, Noah, what does he do? He, he builds an ark. By faith, Abraham, what does he do? Well, he leaves and goes out to a land he's told he'll inherit as a promise. Uh, all of these examples of faith in Hebrews 11 are examples of people who, because of their faith, actually do what God told them to do. I mentioned Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, the same 11th chapter of Hebrews. And so we can't possibly say Noah wasn't saved by faith because the writer of Hebrews tells us he was. And yet, I remind you of the last verse of Hebrews, or rather Genesis chapter 6. When God has talked to Noah about what Noah needs to be doing, how he needs to build an ark, make it 300 by 50 by 30 cubits, make it three stories high, pitch it within, without, with pitch, uh, one door, or one window, make it of gopher wood, bring in the animals by twos and sevens. And the last verse of Genesis 6, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now the writer of Hebrews says that uh, Noah did what he did by faith. Genesis tells us Noah did what he did by obedience, so did he. Are they saying different things or are they saying the same thing 
from different perspectives. Well, both are true. These two perspectives are both accurate. Yes, by faith, he did what God said do. And the measure of your faith, it may be for you measured most accurately by what you're willing to do and the level of your submission. As I've mentioned before already with you, we know by virtue of our being here this morning, we, we know at some level what God expects of us. Perhaps we're not yet a Christian. We know God wants us to be one. We are a Christian. We know God wants us to be faithful. And yes, we know what that faithfulness looks like. It's not like we need to be instructed as to what we should be doing, what we should be becoming. The question is, are we doing what we know we should? And what the Bible tells us is, a measure of faith is seen in what that faith is willing to do. And so are you, am I, living lives of obedience to God? If not, that's a problem not of our obedience so much, it's a problem of our faith. It's a faith problem. And then last of all this morning, by measure of faith, uh, one thing that's so pertinent to this matter of Hebrews is this matter of perseverance, of keeping on and our keeping on. A faith that is faithful until even unto death, as Revelation 2 and 10 tells us. The whole point of Hebrews is encouraging those readers not to go back to a law they'd come out of, but to stay true to Christ and faithful to him, not wavering in their faith, but being steadfast, overcoming and moving forward, being persistent and faithful in their Christian lives, not giving up. And so a measure of our faith is how determined we are to continue until death do us part. Oh, yes, many of us can't do what we used to. The truth is, many of us couldn't do what we say we used to could do anyway. But the truth is also, we can do what we can do. And all of us can do something. We can be stronger in our certainty and our trust and our obedience and keep on keeping on doing the best we can with what we have as long as we can until the Lord calls us home, and not one moment before. That's what real faith looks like. And that's what this 11th chapter of Hebrews is trying to get us to see, just what true faith really looks like. Does it describe your faith? Mine? Only God knows. Only we know about our own situation. But if this morning you're outside of Christ or need to come in back to him, if you need to come, why put it off? But come now as together we stand and sing.